Welcome to the City Light Podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online at citylightchurch.com. Today, we're continuing our series called Faith, Hope, and Love. There are three things the Bible says will remain throughout eternity, faith, hope, and love. These can sustain us when everything else runs out. And in this series, we are going to take a deep dive into what it means to have those three qualities. Thank you for spending time with us today, and we hope you enjoy the message from our new series. Well, good morning, City Light Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, hey, I am so excited to be up here uh, finishing up this amazing series, Faith, Hope, and Love. Who's enjoying the series so far? I know I am. I thought uh, Pastor Nicole did such a great job two weeks ago sharing about faith and how in, in the season of, of hardship, how faith really is, is what we need to cling on to and how Dave spoke last week, how hope is an anchor, and he did such a great job. Aren't you so blessed with such an amazing pastoral staff here at City Light Church? I know I am. But I am excited that I have the opportunity to share the greatest of these three topics this morning. Um, Thanks, Pastor Jason. No pressure, right? Um, uh, But we're going to get right into it. I'm going to pray over the message and we're going to get started. So, uh, Father God, we just come before you this morning in Jesus' name. We thank you for just your your love, Lord God. As As we enter into this topic today, we ask you, Lord God, that you would reveal yourself to each and every one here, each and every person watching online. We invite you, Holy Spirit, into our midst to be with us, to lead us and guide us into what you want to reveal to our hearts. So we just open up our hearts to you today. We ask you to lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Ryan Shaner. My wife, Stephanie, and I serve here at City Light Church as your next step pastors. And just as Josh was announcing there, we want to help you with your next step. So if you want to know what's next for you and you need help and direction, join us out here in the lobby. We've got some books and resources and we've got some classes that we can offer to help you in your next steps. Uh, But since this is my first opportunity to get up here on stage on a Sunday morning, I thought I'd just take that opportunity to uh, just share you my life story, just give you give you all the, all the facts of my life. Well, a few of them anyway. So we're going to start with, um, I'm 42 years old. Uh, I, uh, I can grow a pretty mean-looking beard. Um, um, my wife Stephanie and I, right up front here, she and I have been married for uh, 18 years. Isn't she beautiful? She... Um, we have four amazing children, Jack, Sam, Matthew, and Sophia. Jack is 16. And uh, he's just uh, about to get his driver's license. That doesn't make me nervous at all. Um, Sam, he's uh, right behind him. He's 14. And he's just uh, um, a blessing to us in so many ways. He brought me my water. He's a nice boy. Thank you, Sam. Uh, Matthew's 10. And Sophia's 8. And they're in, the, uh, in another room right now. But we're, we're just so blessed in the season of our life as being parents. Um, we love it. Um, we currently live in Hadley, Michigan, just north of here, and I own a small remodeling company. We've been at City Light Church since the launch, about six years ago, and we are so thankful to call City Light Church our church family and our church home. We love City Light Church so much. Uh, so for those of you that um, are, are f- familiar or unfamiliar with the, the facility we're, staying, we're, we're renting, I actually attended school here at OCS, Oakland Christian School, from second grade to 12th grade. I have a lot of fun and interesting stories about the time that I had spent here. 
Um, but since we're leasing or renting the, the facility from the school, I don't want to disturb our rental agreement by telling those stories, but I'll keep those ones private for now. Um, I attended uh, Rama Bible Training Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma um, in 2002, and I studied pastoral studies. And my heart is really to serve God, love my family, and love people. That's my desire. So those are just a few uh, of the facts of my life, which are kind of like a current thing. But I really want to share with you this morning uh, my love story, the story of love. And it's not Stephanie and my story. Unfortunately, you might be able to hear that another time, but it's the story that of Jesus's pursuit of my heart and our story of love together. So our text this morning is um, 1 Corinthians 13, and my first point is, what is love? Um, we, we see in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of th- these is love. And so, the, you know, we're always asking the question, you know, you look online, there's so many different definitions or perspectives of what love is, but I guess the question I would present to you is, what is love? How do we as humans begin to understand and perceive love? Where does that, where does that start? Um, for most of us, it starts, our concept of love is determined and starts in our, our family with our parents. As a young child and adolescence, we, we develop our perception of love at home with, with our parents. And sometimes that's, that's amazing. Some people grow up in a home that have amazing parents who do a great job of uh, loving them and giving them everything they need. So for them, love is really easy. And for others, it's, it's more difficult because maybe their home wasn't a healthy home and maybe their parents weren't healthy in love and maybe they can't express and receive love very easily. So everybody has a story about um, how they experience love, how they define love and how they receive love and how they give love. So I'm going to take some time to share with you my story of my development of how I've come to an understanding of what love is and And we're going to go way back, way, way, way back. Um, The setting is 1983. It's summertime. Uh, Risky Business is the movie in the theaters. I never saw Risky Business, so I don't really know. I just Googled that. Uh, Michael Jackson uh, released the album Thriller. Uh, We weren't allowed to listen to Michael Jackson in my house. We, we We weren't allowed to listen to that. So for us, uh, for us topping the Christian charts, we had Sandy Patty and we had Petra topping the Christian charts in 1983. Um, actually, we had the Petra album, More Power To Ya. I could sing the song, but I won't. Um, it actually did. We had the record. It was hilarious. Um, underoos were the fashionable underwear for a person of my age. I was four years old in 1983. Um, I had a pair of underwear that were fun to wear, and they were underoos. Um, now, I don't know if this is... Um, churchy type of, a, of, of comedy or not, but my underoos were Scooby-Doo underoos and they were tidy whiteies. And I don't know if you could put together why that probably wasn't the best idea of putting a brown dog on tidy whiteies is a good thing. But anyway, that's what, those are the underpants I had in 1983. <laughs> Needless to say, um, uh, 1983 has a lot of fun facts in regard to pop culture. Um, so I'm, I'm the youngest of four children. My parents, Ron and Rosa, my brothers, Ron and Ross, my sister, Rochelle, myself, Ryan, that's right, we're all ours. Yeah, I think that's a 1970s thing, I'm not sure exactly, but my parents owned a small business in Waterford, Michigan. They uh, spent a lot, we actually spent a lot of time there growing up. We, we, um, we, we worked there, we hung out there, my parents had a lot going there, and they were always attending different meetings, like different, different pyramid scheme meetings, but mostly 
mostly they were, they were, they were doing business type meetings. Um, my parents attended a, a meeting one night in the summer of 1983, and it was the Full Gospel Businessmen's Association. Uh, it was a really cool ministry that brought Christians together, and they evangelized uh, business people. So my parents went to that meeting. There was an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and to enter into a personal relationship with him. And they put their hand up that night. They said, I want that. They wanted it. So they made a decision that night in 1883 to, ex- ex- to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And in that moment, the hero of my story entered in. Jesus came into their hearts. And as a result of their choice, love entered into my story at four years old. I'll be forever grateful for their choice that day. Within a couple months, my parents had found a small church in uh, Ortonville area, Michigan. My introduction to Jesus was a little different than theirs. Apparently, now the story's a little fuzzy for me. I don't remember it exactly, but I've been told this is, this is the summary of it. Apparently, I was in Sunday school class, and I was acting like a little terror, I guess. I can't, you, none of you can imagine me being a handful, I'm sure, but... Apparently, I was a handful in class, and my teacher, who happened to be the the pastor's wife, kind of lost it with me. She just lost her cool, and she said, Ryan, you need Jesus, to which I replied, okay, I'll take some Jesus. And so I guess they stopped the class, and I said the the prayer right there, accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I've been perfectly behaved ever since. (laughs) So (laughs) from, from that point forward... Um, we lived out our process. We lived out that process of growing up spiritually together. My parents and my brothers and I and my sister. Not only did my parents make the choice to accept Jesus, but they also gave him priority in their life. I think that's a really important point. You can accept Jesus, but when you make him a priority in your life, your life begins to change. Um, they attended church every Sunday, sometimes twice on Sunday. Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, every Wednesday, whether it was a small group or like the Bible study, sometimes Friday nights, we were at church all the time. Seriously, we were at church all the time. I, as I mentioned, I attended Oakland Christian School. We attended Christian School, so I had a lot of um, Bible classes with, in addition to my uh, four church services per week. Uh, we prayed as a family. We be- began to really mature in our faith and really began to know who Jesus was as we studied the Bible. While Christ and the church took priority in our life, um, we, I was still a little bit of a mischievous little brother. I found myself in trouble more than I wasn't. But as I head into my teenage years, um, my sister would often give me stern lectures about straightening up and getting my act together and not being quite so mischievous. So I had good influence there. Uh, but in February of 1993, our family, we faced the most devastating experience of our life. My sister, who was 15, she died. She was 15. Um, she had faced many illnesses throughout her life. And at that point, she just wasn't able to battle through that last fight. So for us as a family, processing that loss was, was, was very difficult for us, for myself personally, for my entire family. But as I mentioned, we were part of a church. And thankfully, um, we were surrounded with a wonderful fellowship of believers. Our church family surrounded us with love, with support, and it was an amazing, it was an amazing uh, comfort to have them in that season. But the reality of, of that loss was, was that our, our hearts were completely broken. We were devastated as a family, myself personally, my mom, my dad, my brothers. And our whole family had to face a decision. We could have chosen to give in to fear, to doubt, to unbelief. But in that moment, we chose faith, we chose hope, we chose love. We chose faith in what the Bible said, hope that we would see our sister again in heaven 
and love because the parts of our heart that were broken needed tending to and we had to let love in those areas. So for 10 years, we had learned about who God was, but in that moment of brokenness, in that moment of pain, we really needed to know who Jesus is in that moment, and we, we let him in. So soon after that, I was on a missed trip. Uh, thankfully, my parents had good sense. They, they knew that I needed to focus after that, 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 that happened in my life, and they sent me um, with some, some church members on a teen mania missions trip. Is anybody familiar with teen mania ministries in the 90s? Yeah, I, I went on, uh, uh, 1993 in the summer, I went to Thailand on a missions trip, and 1994 is the year, I, I, this story kind of comes, everything kind of comes together, but I know it was 1994, I was in Albania, it was, it was summer of 94, I was in Albania, and I remember it was 1984 because I was in a cafe in Tirana, the capital of Albania, and um, there was a TV there, and I saw a white Bronco, driving down the freeway in Los Angeles, and there was a bunch of cop cars behind it, and I thought, oh man, OJ's in trouble. I wonder what that's about. Anyway, I, uh, that was my weekend off, and from the, from the, uh, from the little cafe there, I, I, I went into the park, and I just, I was really still with kind of processing this pain, processing this brokenness. What, what was going on was still difficult for me, and I was just, I, I um, I was just in my quiet time, and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I want to know who you are. I said, God, I want to know you. I, I want to experience who you are. And so I opened up my Bible. This is the Bible. This is my Bible from, oops, drop some stuff. See, Jason, good call. Uh, drop some stuff. But anyway, this is the Bible that I had in, in 1994 when I was sitting there in the park, and I opened it up to this page, and it was our, our text. It was 1 Corinthians 13, um, verse 4. And and uh, as I opened up the Bible, after I prayed the prayer, Lord, I want to know who you are. Here's, here's what I read. I read this. I read, I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy. I do not boast. I am not proud. I am not rude. I do not dishonor others. I am not self-seeking. I am not easily angered. I keep no record of wrong. I do not delight in evil, but I rejoice with truth. I always protect. I always trust I always hope, I always persevere, I never fail. And in that moment, well, your Bible might say love there, but in that moment, God gave me the revelation of who he was. He showed me that he is love. And that, that really brings, me, brings us to our next point, which is who is God? What is love? God is love. Up to that point, my perception of God was more of a, a corrective, directive instructive leader person, not an intimate, loving, and compassionate friend who was present in my life. So I had to change my perception, not only of who God was as a, as a loving father, but also what love was. I'm, I don't know about you and how you grew up in your home, but um, in my home, love wasn't always patient. Love wasn't always kind. We were easily angered and um, we definitely kept records of wrong. Uh, you know, there were, there were issues, right? So, you know, um, we, <laughs> we, we grew up, my mom is like 100% Italian, and we grew up with, you know, a lot of hand gestures and a lot of passionate conversations about maybe what you did wrong or what you needed to do or whatever. And, and, and my parents, while they were, they, they did a really great job as parents, but their love was incomplete. Our home was missing something. And it was the ingredients that we read in 1 Corinthians 13. 
um, I needed to, to adjust um, my perception of what love was uh, into what the Bible said. So just, I got off my notes there. So, 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 so it, it came, I came to the realization though, as I realized that love was patient and kind and, and, and all these different characteristics of love, I realized that I didn't have the ability to do this. Like I couldn't love like that. It, that's impossible. I, I, I don't have the grace and the patience for that. And I'm sure a lot of you say, well, it's a great verse and we, we read it at weddings and it's good in theory, right? But uh, we're just gonna put it in this category. We're gonna aspire to it. So I'm gonna, I, I wanna move to our next verse, which is 1 John 4, 7, and 8. And, and this is what it says. It says, those are loved by God. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. And what I, what I like about this verse is it says, everyone who is fathered by God and who experiences an intimate knowledge of him knows about love. And the reality is, is that we can't love properly. We can't let love be love in the context of this verse in 1 Corinthians 13. We can't let it be what God designed it to be without his power, without his help, and without his ability. Am I right? So that power comes through the person of the Holy Spirit, right? So Jesus, Jesus in Acts, I don't have the verse, but in Acts, Jesus said, listen, I'm going to send you another comforter, and he's going to lead you into all things. And when he went to the Father, he sent us the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit came and we accept Jesus as our, as our Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. But really, to, to empower the Holy Spirit in our life, we have to invite him in every single day. It's a daily thing where we, we align ourselves to, to God through the person of the Holy Spirit. So every morning in prayer, I say, Lord, lead me. I invite you into my day. Holy Spirit, have your way in me. The only way to really let him in is to, to really put your hands up and surrender. My final point is let love in. Uh, in Revelations 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. If your heart is open and you hear my voice, you open the door within. And he's talking about within here in your heart. I'll come in, I'll feast with you, and you'll feast with me. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, he's knocking at our door. And, and some of us ex have accepted Jesus as our Savior, and we're like, yeah, we've opened the door. Jesus is welcome. But sometimes we've only welcomed him into maybe the very front room of our house, our heart, like the foyer of our heart, if you will. And we have not opened up every door and unlocked every maybe dark corner of our heart because we're maybe afraid to let him in there or we're afraid of what's in there or we don't want him to see. But the reality is to, to really experience love in its complete capacity as, as we read in 1 Corinthians 13, we have to let the Holy Spirit in because that's what he wants. The reality is, too, is that God's not, God's not satisfied with part of your heart. He's not satisfied with standing in the foyer. He wants it all. He wants every part of your heart. And for me, that was a little bit hard. I, I, I understood what, what love was, and I understood what, what it looked like based on that scripture. And I knew that there was something more. Which brings me to another story. Um, it's a different setting. Uh, 1998. So it's about five years later or four years later from when I first read that verse. And uh, the top movies, most likely for me, because I, I didn't really check the charts. I was just kind of seeing what was out there and what I might like in those, 
and those, uh, and those, uh, those options were the, the Water Boy came out in 1998 and The Wedding Singer came out in 1998. And I knew that those were two movies that I was like, you know, those were, I was 100%, those were movies I would enjoy. Um, I'm not sure what topped the charts, but I know that what I was rocking in my six disc Clarion CD changer in the back of my Volkswagen Jetta, I had, uh, I had um, some classic U2, I had some, at least a couple albums of U2, uh, Pearl Jam, Counting Crows, and if I'm honest, most likely some Sarah McLachlan. I don't know, maybe. Um, and I did, for, for all you Christians, I did have some worship albums. I had, I, had some, I had the Brownsville Revival worship album with Lyndall Cooley, Pastor Jason. You remember that, right? Um, I had that one there. But, but I was 19 years old. It was, it was, you know, it was just I was young and dumb, right? I was always doing really stupid stuff with my friends. Um, and I found myself in another season of brokenness. Um, just through a different, different circumstances, I was, I was broken. I was, I was a little bit aimless. I was young and dumb. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what was next for me. I didn't know what God had for me. I didn't have a clear direction of the step, the next step. And I was, you know, out with my buddies. We were doing crazy stuff and hanging out to the windows of cars and doing crazy stuff. And, um, I came home late often and my parents were irritated with me. So my dad stayed up late one night, which is really a great move on his part because he was definitely led by the Lord. But he's like, you know, it was, I don't know, it was like one or two in the morning and he waited up and he wasn't really mad. He just, he said, hey, this isn't cool. You know, you can't come home late. You've upset your mother and it's disrespectful. You've got to shape up. And I, I heard him and I acknowledged him. And he, but he, he gave me the opportunity that night. He, he posed two questions. He said to me, Ryan, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want with your life? What do you want to do with your life? And do you want what God has for you? And I said, yeah, I think I do want what God has for me. And I don't think he had any specific advice about what that looked like or what that was or what direction to go in, but it was a question nonetheless. And it was a decision that I needed to make. Would I surrender completely and give God what he wanted? Would I give him every door in my heart? Would I surrender every aspect and dimension of myself to him. And the next question he asked me said, will you receive what God wants to give you? And I said, sure. I didn't, again, I don't know that he knew what, what, what God wanted to give me, but he knew that he wanted to, to offer prayer for me to, to allow God to, to, for me to have that and me to receive it. And I said, yeah, I want that. So I, I, um, I said, yeah. He said, well, can I pray for you? And I said, yes. So I made, I made those decisions. I said, yes, I want what God has for me. And yes, I'm willing to receive it. And yes, you can pray for me. I made those decisions that night. And I don't know about you, what church you grew up, but we grew up in a church that was like a little bit of a Pentecostal style, full gospel church. And when they prayed for you, they had an expectation because they put their hands like this and they, they pushed a little bit, but they expected you to just, they expected you to fall on the ground. And myself, I was, I'm a pretty headstrong person. So that never happened for me growing up. I mean, they pushed me plenty of times. I mean, I might've just fallen over just to give the guy, you know, like a, you know, like a, an attaboy, but I'd never, I never really experienced, I never really experienced God tangibly, physically, really like that. But in the moment when I said, yes, I, I want what you have for me. 
In the moment when I said, yes, I'm willing to receive what you have for me. And in the moment when I surrendered completely, I put my hands to heaven. My dad put his hand on my head. He said he barely touched me. Now he said he barely touched me, but I hit the ground very hard. He said the whole house shook. He said, I promise I didn't hit you. And I didn't have any, I didn't have any bruises or anything. So I'm pretty confident he didn't hit me. I, and anyway, the next, so um, I hit the ground really hard and I laid on the ground. He said, he just waited there for a minute to see if I'd come up. And he said, you weren't getting up. And I, I was unconscious, I guess, I don't know. Um, but I laid there and in that moment when I surrendered to God and as I laid there, he said he saw like the presence of the Holy Spirit on me. I was like, oh, okay. And later in prayer as over the years as God has revealed to me what was happening in that moment, in that moment, there was pain. There was, there was the, the brokenness from the loss of my sister. There was the brokenness of being you know, without a, a, a passion or a vision for my life. There was, there was things in my life and in my heart, there were compartments that I had not yielded and surrendered completely to Jesus. And he went in there because I said yes. And he healed me. He restored me. He took my brokenness and he made me whole. And in that moment of surrender, I became whole. I, I can't explain it to you completely, but I was never the same after I said yes to Jesus. And so... That's the opportunity I wanna give you this morning. I wanna give each and every person in this room the opportunity to experience a love like that. I want everyone to experience the person who is love, Jesus. He loves you, he died for you, he gave his life for you. It's not only that you could find heaven, but you could find your best life in this moment. And the only way we can find our best life in this moment is to connect with him on a, on a daily basis. So if, if that's you, if, if you've never had the opportunity to to accept Jesus as your personal savior, or maybe you just are far from God. Maybe you grew up in the church like me and maybe you knew about God, but you haven't experienced who Jesus is and you want to know him in a personal way. If that's you this morning, would you pray with me? With every head bowed in the room and every eye closed, and I don't wanna put anybody on the spot and I'm not gonna call you up front, but with everyone, with everyone's head bowed and everyone's eyes closed, would you just lift your hand? If that's you, you wanna make a decision for Jesus Christ this morning. And if you're online and, and you feel that you wanna make a decision for Jesus this morning, will you just click that link? Our staff is here for you, we wanna help you. And for all those people who made that decision for the first time, can we all just say a prayer? Can you all just repeat after me just for the sake of those who are saying it for the first time? Can you just pray this prayer and say, Jesus, Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. I believe that you're the son of God and I receive you into my heart. And I confess that you're the Lord of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you said that for the first time, I just wanna welcome you into our family. I am so excited. If that was the first time you made that decision, I'm so excited for you. And not only that, if, 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 if you're ready for the next step in your, in your journey with Christ, if you wanna experience him in a new way, if you wanna know what the Holy Spirit is all about, we have some resources in the, in the back table. I actually moved the, the, the what's next table right here to this lobby, right outside the door. I'm gonna be out there after service. We wanna put good, good content in your hands so you can grow in your walk with Christ.